Muppets. Muppets, yeah. Two peas, one pig? No, no, no. Two peas, one tea. SBN. Welcome to Two Peas, One Tea, a Muppets podcast from LaughingPlace.com. My name is Bill Galzel. I am a contributor at Laughing Place, and I was just checking my latest work, and it's been almost seven years since I first started writing for Laughing Place, if my dates are correct. Uh, Joining me is co-host Mike Celestino. Mike? Hi, Bill. Uh, Yeah, my name is Mike Celestino. I am uh, the lead Southern California reporter at Laughing Place, and I've been there for uh, about two and a half years, roughly now. And uh, yeah, I was excited when you you invited me to uh, start this show up talking about one of my absolute favorite things in the world, the world of the Muppets. Well, it's interesting that, uh, you know, for those of you that don't know, Mike is uh, the founder of Who's the Boss, the I would say the very first podcast coming from Laughing Place, with the exception of uh, the usual regular Laughing Place podcast update. Right. <laughs> uh, Mike, uh, Mike kind of pioneered it here for, uh, for Laughing Place. He has Who's the Boss, a Star Wars podcast. And then there's the Zacks of Life, a Marvel podcast with Kyle and Mac. And mm-hmm. seeing how you guys have, have kind of brought more discussion to some of my favorite topics uh, I saw, oh, well, you know, the Muppets, maybe there's something there we could do. And sure. And so here on our very first episode, we're we're charting in and kind of discussing our love of the Muppets. Uh, yeah, I feel like uh, there's not as much new content coming from the Muppets as frequently as we get, you know, Star Wars and Marvel, which is a shame. You know, we should get, get more Muppets content, but maybe this will help uh, help encourage Disney to get more Muppets stuff out there. Oh, that's the dream right there. That is the dream to see more Muppets content um, in in our history of, of the Muppets. And, you know, I think uh, we're going to we're going to try some new things with this podcast and see how things go. And maybe our uh, our outline of the show will change. But uh, I guess starting off in regards to Muppets and uh, the Muppet news, there hasn't been too much as far as Muppet news, with the exception of I don't know if you saw this, Mike. Did you see Kermit showing up on The Masked Dancer recently? Or The Masked Singer, not The Masked Dancer. Well, uh, I I will say that I don't watch The Masked Singer regularly. We would watch the end of The Masked Singer when uh, the TV show Holy Moly was airing, which is like an extreme mini golf competition that we really got into last year. Um, And it would air right after The Masked Singer. So we would see like the last five minutes of every episode of the masked singer so we we started getting into like you know the predictions of who it would be and then you get that little moment where they pretend to struggle to take the mask off and you get the reveal of the celebrity Uh, so we enjoyed that part and then i saw you know the big news had hit that her that kermit was on the show and i did watch the performance that he did and then i did see the reveal of kermit as well just via youtube clip so it wasn't something that i came across organically but yeah i did see it as it went uh, viral well and that's uh you know the, the masked singer was never on my radar i knew i knew exactly what it was but it wasn't wasn't something that ever really interested me and then you know as per usual whenever you check twitter you uh you see what's trending and you see Kermit the frog. I'm like, Oh no, what did Kermit do? Or if he's okay. <laughs> right. And then there's, there's the clip of, of 
him singing and he was inside of a snail and yes. and they're all wondering well who is it there's sounds like a frog <laughs> and then he pops out and you gotta you gotta give all the credit to the performer there as kermit squishing himself up into that snail while performing as kermit <laughs> while disguising his voice so that he doesn't exactly sound right. like kermit and uh, it just reminds me of reading up about the whole filming of the Muppet movie and seeing and yeah. reading about how Jim Henson squished himself into that log <laughs> to perform Kermit on the log singing uh, the opening number for the song. And I just, you gotta, you gotta have, hand it to the Muppet performers and their talent just to, to make their, their characters come alive. Uh, I noticed too, uh, the, uh, the rainbow connection the National Recording Registry of the Library of Congress just recently added it uh, to oh, yeah. the list. Uh, before and, we move on, I, I wanted to recommend if you wanted to uh, find out more about that uh, Mass Singer appearance, you can go to Matt Vogel's podcast, Matt Vogel being the current Kermit performer. Oh, yes. um, he actually had a whole episode dedicated to the behind the scenes of the Mass Singer and uh, how he got invited, the whole process of going on the show, like the secrecy surrounding it and the actual you know physical process of him getting into the snail it's very interesting i was very curious how that whole thing works so um check it out it's called uh below the frame i think is the title of his podcast and then it was one of the most recent episodes wow okay i'll have to check that out and that would be interesting too seeing from his his point of view and and how he was able to get into there i can't imagine the secrecy that they had he had to go through in order to to pull that off um you know you would think that in this day and age where twitter and everyone is reporting everything and reporting it uh what they see to see matt vogel come in and to be able to sneak kermit in and be able to stump everyone so kudos to them because it was it was quite the reveal and it was fun to watch yeah and and it's always cool to get the get the get the Muppets in the spotlight even even in a way like that where it's a you know kind of being put in front of people who maybe wouldn't ordinarily watch the Muppets or you know it's always nice to have Kermit in the cultural zeitgeist I guess but um I sorry I interrupted you because you were talking about uh well, rainbow no, connection I, in the Library of Congress well I think I think that's you know it's interesting that coming off of of his appearance on the Masked Singer now we have one of the most recognized songs that's associated with Kermit is being recognized yet again as this is a song of importance and we're going to put it into our registry. And, you know, for many years, he often wondered as to how influential or how important the Muppets were, were they, you know, do they still rank high in the, uh, in the pop culture uh, lexicon and, and people today? I mean, even my kids, you know, my kids, didn't grow up with what they, what I had as a kid with Muppet content. And yet they still, you know, they know everyone, they still laugh at all the jokes and, you know, I'm sure down the road, we'll, we'll explore the Muppet show being on Disney plus now, but they, uh, my kids as they sat and watched, they laughed at all the same jokes as me. And, and I guess, you know, is something to look at down the road and, and talk is, is the Muppets still relevant where I personally think so. Uh, I wonder if everyone else is taking the time to to go back and rediscover the show or actually get a, a first time look. But yeah, it's uh, the 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 and this is something too I'll talk about when we get into the whole the whole uh, 
focus of our first show is the music. I mean, were you were you a big fan of the music that came out of the Muppets? Did you enjoy the songs or? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. In fact, I will say that I had a few vinyl records as a kid. Uh, at least two or three from the Muppet show and then one or two from Sesame Street that I would play just on repeat uh, as a child growing up. And I knew those songs backwards and forwards. In fact, like, you know, I, I didn't keep any of my records from when I was a, a kid, unfortunately, but I would talk about those records so much that uh, for my birthday one year, my wife got me the two Muppet show vinyl soundtracks, volume one and volume two. Um, you know, the original pressings of them yeah. um, from eBay and uh, they're part of my treasured uh, vinyl collection now. So, yeah, I still I still listen to those records. Wow. Well, and that's, uh, you know, I have Apple Music and, you know, you just have have the access to so much content on there that uh, on some of my my favorite playbacks whenever I'm working or or uh, if I'm at work and I've got a few minutes to myself at my desk you know, you pop on the soundtrack to any one of the multiple Muppet uh, films or shows that are out there. I, I find the, the soundtracks too for the, uh, the Muppet movie, it, it just still holds up and the, yes. you get so much of that added humor, uh, especially from Kermit and Fozzie when they're moving right along and they're sort of driving across <laughs> trying to get to California. And I, I find too, even as, as more shows or movies have come out, the the music itself uh has has tried to play a big part where jason siegel's um his reboot the muppets i thought there was mm -hmm. a lot of great musical numbers in there and i thought oh wow you know he's really trying to connect uh both the the music aspect but also the storytelling and also humanizing uh the muppets and then muppets most wanted i i remember being oh a little bit disappointed because i didn't feel like the music numbers were as important to telling the story and well I, i'll disagree with you there because um uh you know brett mckenzie who's one half of uh, flight of the concords was yeah. brought on board to write the music for the muppets the jason siegel movie and then muppets most wanted um by the way i think uh he's a a worthy uh successor to paul williams who wrote the music for the original Muppet movie uh, and, and many other Muppet projects and, and was such a great songwriter and is still alive. Of course he hasn't yeah. passed away yet. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, I think uh, Brett McKenzie did a great job in capturing that spirit. And I loved one of the songs from Muppets most wanted so much. Uh, and my wife and I both loved it so much that it actually played uh, as one of our first songs at our wedding. Oh, really? Um, yeah. <laughs> I think the song's called uh, I'll Get You What You Want, Cockatoo in Malibu. Um, <laughs> but uh, that song uh, was released in the form that it plays in the film, which is sung by Constantine, the evil Kermit uh, doppelganger. <laughs> but then they also issued it sung by the songwriter, Brett McKenzie, which that's the version that we uh, played him if you go and look for that music video on youtube they actually released the music video with you know starring brett mckenzie on on screen and it's just fantastic so uh i i love the soundtrack from up it's most wanted um but but yeah i understand uh that you were disappointed with it well i i you know maybe i'm being too harsh maybe maybe i need to go back and uh 
reevaluate it once more or, or have a look at the film. Yeah, I guess, you know, for me, seeing seeing Jason Siegel and especially after seeing Forgetting Sarah Marshall and seeing how and knowing the story with his his vampire opera that he's creating, how he actually, you know, there was a whole lot of influence from from the Henson company and and working with mm, the yes. performers there. You know, I just I have I, I still remember quite a few of the songs. I mean, from uh, Jason Siegel's The Muppets. And I just I thought they were catchy and I don't know, maybe maybe I just was off put by the sequel or or I was in a, a different mood that day. But uh, maybe I should go back and give it another chance. <laughs> I mean, fair, you know, different strokes for different folks. I, <laughs> it's not going to be for everybody, but I certainly uh, enjoyed it. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that's and that's where it always takes me back to that, to the uh, the original stuff and the original work like Rainbow Connection and and seeing how that, you know, yet again, like we were talking about how the Muppets seem to be coming up uh, constantly in our pop culture and whether or not it's the shows. I mean, Disney re- releasing the Muppet show and getting the Muppet show out on Disney plus was, uh, I think probably the best move. I really enjoyed seeing dinosaurs come on. Yes. Uh, but it was the Muppets that I just started going through one after the other, because it was consistent in humor and, and it was funny. And even though they had the same reoccurring gags, the, one scene where they're having the they have the uh, the dance party and you hear the different conversations between the the couples. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's constant, but it it's funny and it's simple humor and I don't know. For me, it just makes me laugh and uh, ah, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. I'm glad <laughs> to see that there's a resurgence of of the Muppets. And I remember that there was there was a time when we were just getting the YouTube videos where we were seeing the Muppets either doing. Um, uh, bohemian rhapsody or right or anything else and then you saw the movies come back up and then the muppet show on abc for one season which it, it's on disney plus if you haven't watched it i i strongly recommend it it's it's hilarious it places them in that office the the office quasi semi documentary behind mm-hmm. the scenes and i i my wife and i both watched them we just we zipped right through it because it was just so funny and and seeing Fozzie Bear out in the middle of the woods trying to get a snack hanging out of a tree from a camper because he's hungry <laughs> and he's gotten lost and he can't find the Starbucks <laughs> and then he gets tased by a forest ranger so uh yeah this- I'll say that uh that show for me took took a little bit to find its footing but by the end of that season the only season that they did yeah I thought it I thought it had really kind of found its voice and was going strong and then we found out about the cancellation of course which is sad because i thought like okay season two they're going to come back and they're going to have this figured out um but uh yeah i think i think uh it had potential for sure well and i i think too you know looking at the people in charge of it uh bill prady who was co-creator of the big bang theory uh you know it wasn't until i read brian j jones's book on jim henson and then seeing the names and Bill Prady worked at the Muppets. He worked with Jim Henson and he was uh, one of the creative people there behind it. So it was nice to see that, you know, if you're not coming from the Henson mold, there's still a lot of people who are trying to circle back and and bring life back to uh, back to the Muppets and trying to get them out on the center stage. Yeah. Um, But I guess, you know, Mike, that probably is a good segue here to the whole point of our first episode is, you know, when did you first 
really connect with the Muppets? Was there a, a certain show or a certain movie that when you saw it, it was like, oh yes, definitely this this is this is for me. This is what I enjoy. Or well, was there a combination of things? Yeah, uh, it's certainly a combination, but I do have a specific choice as well because um, you know I grew up. I was born in late 1979, which, you know, the Muppets had been around for a bit already, but I was also born like midway through the run of the original Muppet show. And, uh, you know, I was very, very young during the last few seasons of that show. But my mom tells me that I, you know, from from birth, basically, I was glued to the screen whenever (laughs) Muppets Muppet show or, or Sesame Street was on TV. So love them from the very, very beginning of my life. Uh, but the one piece of media that really stood out for me at, at uh, a very early age was The Great Muppet Caper, which is the second theatrical Muppet movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I just loved that movie so much as a kid. I would watch it over and over and over again. And even as an adult now, it still remains my favorite Muppet movie. Uh, I think it's got the funniest lines it's got my favorite muppet locations the the happiness hotel being uh where they stay when they go to london um and my, some of my favorite songs speaking of music uh and that movie just really clicks to me and then charles groden as the uh the human uh villain in that movie is just hilarious the way he plays off miss piggy and the other muppets and stuff so uh yeah that great muppet caper is just the five star muppet (laughs) movie for me wow that's you know and the great muppet caper and it has so much and it was coming off that that success of of the show but also the first movie Mm -hmm. and jim henson directed the great muppet caper did he not or was that the muppets take manhattan uh I think Frank Oz directed the Muppets Take Manhattan. Who directed the Great Muppet Caper? Now I'm blanking on it. I think you I, might you might be right it that it's Jim Henson. Yeah, could be because right. he he wanted to direct the first one, but I'm I'm pretty sure Lou Grade, the man who you know helped him bring the show to life, who back uh, bankrolled him for the movie, said no. Let's let's get an experienced director in here. You can learn and then and then move on from there. Right, um, I'm IMDbing it right now. So James Frawley was. Uh, the Muppet movie, the original Muppet movie, and then uh, Great Muppet Caper was, <laughs> as we have some dead air, um, <laughs> uh, Great Muppet Caper was directed by Jim Henson. Yes, you're All correct. Right. All right. Yeah. Well, and that's, you know, and, and seeing Henson be able to walk into the, you know, the second film and be able to take, and, and he was pretty much in charge of the, the first movie and all the shots, but is it, is it the Great Muppet Caper? And I, it's been a while since I've seen it, but there's is it that or is it the Muppets take Manhattan where there's a scene that they're riding a bicycle and there there's multiple Muppets that are riding bicycles or. Yeah. Um, well, famously, you know, Kermit rides a bicycle in the first yeah. Muppet movie and everybody was so amazed by like how they pulled that off that they decided in the great Muppet keeper to have them all riding bicycles, you know, <laughs> um, which is such a crazy uh, moment in that film. But yeah, very, very cool moment in the, the well, great Muppet Caper for sure. And it's so convincing too. And that's, you know, you're looking at practical effects and you're looking at robotics in like the early eighties in order to, to bring, uh, to bring that to life. And, and still like 30, 40 years later, it holds up. It doesn't, 
you don't look at it and say, oh, there's a string and I can see the person off, off screen just sticking, you know, his arm out and it kind of ruins the illusion. Um, you know, that's, that's interesting you chose that because for me, I, I honestly don't remember the Muppet movie or, or the great Muppet caper. Um, I, I kind of have a foggy memory of the Muppets take Manhattan. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my first real experience, I mean, I was born in August of 1980. So, uh, you know, I'm roughly in the same time frame as you, but yeah. uh, unlike my Star Wars memory of Return of the Jedi and mm-hmm. how it attaches to a horrible experience with Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, um, <laughs> you know, my, my first real memory is the Muppet Babies. And that wonderfully amazing 80s television program that I don't even think Jim Henson really wanted to do. And he just kind of signed it over and said, yeah, sure. Uh, uh, I I remember watching that consistently and seeing all the amazing adventures that they had. But for me, it was the Muppets at Walt Disney World uh, TV movie that appeared in 1990. Uh, It was that connection of, oh my goodness, I love going to Disney World. This is where my family goes all the time and the Muppets are there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was one of those moments where I I remember taping it and seeing it the night it came on on the wonderful world of Disney and and seeing them riding Big Thunder Mountain Piggy and Beauregard were there. And, Mm -hmm. you know, seeing Waldorf and Statler on on the Main Street trolley just going up and down. I thought, oh, wow, this, this was, first of all, it was funny. Uh, the film, I don't know if you've seen it, Mike, but the film climaxes with uh, uh, Kermit and Piggy in the role of Indiana Jones and Marion at the uh-huh. Indiana Jones Epic Stunt Spectacular. And it just, it had, it had everything. It had humor. It had the, the best place that I ever loved to go to. Mm-hmm. And it, it also had a lot of musical numbers. And I just rewatched it a couple of days ago and I forgot how, how much music is there. And there's even a, Waldorf and Statler get a musical number riding down the trolley as they're singing to uh, an older guest who's just sitting between them. And she's just laughing her head off as they're, mm-hmm. as they're singing about their surroundings. And ever, ever since that time, you know, that film has always stuck with me. It stuck with me when it premiered in 1990 and uh, in the, you know, early two thousands friend of mine who had, figured out how to and i don't condone this in any way but how to burn clips off of youtube and that uh he actually as a birthday present had burned like the six parts to it that were listed in different spots throughout uh, youtube so yeah i've got a i've got a whole product of it at home nice but uh yeah it's you know i i'm reading about the the history of the movie and it was uh, the muppets in walt at walt disney world was meant to you know, sealed the deal between Jim Henson and Michael Eisner of bringing the Muppets there. And mm. it was actually, I think, the very last film that uh, that Henson worked on performing as Kermit and uh, Dr. Teeth and all that. Uh, yes. I just thought it was a fantastic way to announce, you know, this this marriage between two very creative companies. Have you seen Would this have been shot? Uh, I, I have seen it. I didn't uh, I didn't see it growing up. I somehow missed it, but I have watched it on YouTube. Uh, within the last decade um and yeah i really enjoyed it of course but um my question is um was this shot in tandem then with muppet vision 3d because famously that was uh had to be completed by frank oz because jim henson passed away during production of that well i 
I think they were developing. I think they were developing uh, Muppet Vision 3D, and and I, I'm not I'm not 100 certain on my uh, my history on this, but I mean Muppet Vision 3D, as you said, had to be completed by Frank Oz. But um, this was like this film was meant to, you know, Jim Henson announcing, "Here we come, we're yeah. we're coming here," and and trying to announce that and like no i i don't think it was i think muppet vision 3d came after because henson when he he signed the papers with eisner was working with imagineering and and kind of playing in their sandbox and coming up with some great ideas and mm-hmm. and that but i don't know i'll have to check back on that and see what uh what the truth was to it but yeah i mean it's it's an interesting film because it is very dated and you get to just walking watching through it uh, you get to see the old leo the lion from mgm studios and and as a connection to the great muppet caper the the security guard that uh well actually I'll, for people listening i'll just give you a brief summary kermit brings everybody down to his family's swamp in florida mm-hmm. where it's the uh, annual uh, uh bug fry i believe <laughs> I think that's what he called it. And then there was some uh, scum skimming that there was supposed to be a major event, but one of the frogs tells them all, and no one is happy to be in this mosquito infested swamp, tells them that they're going to listen to the fireworks from Walt Disney world. And they're all like, Walt Disney world. And Kermit says, yeah, it's just beyond the trees. Let's go. So everybody just leaves and Kermit goes chasing after them. And the security guard they meet at Hollywood studios is Charles Grodin. And he's mm-hmm. playing this, uptight cranky mm-hmm. security guard you so know he's very, playing charles grodin you said pretty much. <laughs> I, I didn't want to go there <laughs> but basically he was you know they dressed him up in a security guard outfit and said okay charles do your thing and uh and of course they, you know they have no money and uh an animal just he lifts up one of the turnstiles and says let's go and they all just crash through and, you know, the purest in me as I'm watching this, I'm loving the Muppets and I'm loving the humor and the jokes. And at the same point, they all enter into MGM, which is now Hollywood Studios. And then two minutes later, somehow, they, some of them have ended up at Epcot, Magic Kingdom. And I'm like, well, that's just, that's impossible. You can't make it from at the uh, main gate at uh, Hollywood Studios to get all the way over to Frontierland. I mean, come on, be a little mm-hmm. more consistent there. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it, uh, it, it, it was one of those moments that always stuck with me. And, you know, even the show, our show title here for our podcast is Two Peas, One T. And, you know, as a kid, I was 10 watching this. Uh, and I've always remembered how to spell Muppets because Charles Grodin, who's security guard, has no clue. He calls him the Kismet Gang. He befriends <laughs> Rizzo. <laughs> and Rizzo extorts him, extorts money out of him to pay for a hot dog and all sorts mm-hmm. of other things. He says, "No, they're the Muppets." And then Groden says, uh, two, two T's, one P." He's like, "No, no, no, two P's, one T, and an S at the end." And that's how uh, you know for like the last thirty years, I've remembered how to spell the word Muppets from that very moment. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting to see how. You know, from the great Muppet caper to Muppets at Walt Disney World to to even some of the more recent content with Muppets now, which I've just barely scratched the surface with as far as watching. Uh, you know, you see how an attempt to be consistent as far as the humor and uh, and make 
you know, this felt puppet, which is Kermit, into a, a lifelike, or even just all of them, make them into lifelike human beings that you interact with. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, your, your story reminded me of a question I had for you, which is, do you think we'll ever see Rizzo the rat speaking on screen again? Because Steve Whitmire, Steve Whitmire the, the performer who originated Rizzo, has been let go, obviously, a few years ago by uh, the Muppets, by Disney's The Muppets. And um, no performer yet has dared to take upon that task of, you know, bringing Rizzo to life again. So I don't know. What do you think? Is Rizzo pretty much gone? Oh, I hope not. And, you know, after watching ABC's The Muppets and seeing the relationship that Rizzo and Pepe, and I absolutely love Pepe, Pepe the Prawn is, Mm -hmm. and those two played off each other so well. I, I hope, I hope in the future that we see Steve Woodmire brought back possibly, or someone who's a quality, a quality replacement, be able to take on, take on that role because Rizzo is the best way to describe him. I mean, you've get, you get the dreamers and all that in regards to Kermit or Miss Piggy or even Fozzie. Right. Rizzo is more of the down to earth grounded <laughs> yeah. Muppet of them all, you know, he's, and, he's street smart. <laughs> well, yeah. And I, I kind of like that about him too, because he he keeps, you know, when he's in a scene with the other ones, he keeps them all focused and said, no, you can't do that. You know? Um, yeah. I hope not. Uh, what do you think? Do you think Rizzo's done? I don't know. It's, it's strange because, you know, obviously Muppet characters have changed performers plenty of times over the years, but Rizzo seems so specifically Steve Whitmire to me that it would be tough to, replace him in that way uh, even if somebody could figure out how to do the voice you know i mean that that voice that rizzo voice always makes me think of yeah. of uh, wembley from fraggle rock who was also steve whitmire i know we're only talking about disney muppets but uh in my head it's all one That's big okay. um but but uh yeah like either of those characters I, I know they're doing another fraggle rock so i'm curious to see how they'll do wembley or I mean, I guess it's not it's not Disney's Muppet, so they could just have Steve Whitmire come well, back to do that. Back, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, well, and that's you know, I, I mean, you look at Fozzie Bear and and Frank Oz. Yeah, Frank Oz is doing Fozzie, and and throughout the movies and and the Muppet Show, and and you see Oz's performance, and and it's it's fantastic. At the same point, you know. What, recently just watching through the, the Muppets there on Disney plus the ABC one season show. Um, I didn't miss Frank Oz. It, you know, mm-hmm. I still got the humor and I still got the joy of Fozzie bear. In fact, I, I think there was maybe a little, a little more development for Fozzie. Um, yeah. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't looking at it and saying to my wife, Oh man, I wish Frank Oz was here. I, I don't know. I think as far as Rizzo, I think it's just, well, first of all, they don't really have the platform. It's not as big as 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 a, a movie. So, I think if the right person comes along, sure, absolutely. Um, I think we could easily see Rizzo back. We could also see you know Steve come back. I guess depending on what the future brings. We'll um, see. We'll see. Bean, Bean Bunny is another one that. Uh, <laughs> who knows? Do you like Bean Bunny? 
Uh, never, never been a huge fan of Be- Bean Bunny. He was always like the new. He's like the new Muppet, the new Muppet that was introduced in uh, the late eighties. So. Yeah, <laughs> his his superpower of being cute. Uh, just, oh, and he shows up like, oh yeah, no, I'm not a not a Bean Bunny fan. So <laughs> no, um, yeah, no, it's interesting though. It's interesting to see how how the Muppet voices have changed over the years and. And who gets more of a, a front row center play? I, one of the biggest surprises from the Muppets ABC show, and I know uh, we're kind of going off topic here, but is is my change in like for some of the Muppets, like Deadly, Uncle Deadly, yeah, uh, as Piggy's personal assistant. I thought, I thought he was hilarious, and yes. it's, it's interesting as you go through the Muppet catalog, there are there are different uh, different Muppets that I would say, oh yeah, he's my favorite. I mean, of, of that whole show in, in the Muppets at Walt Disney World, my, my starting point, uh, you know, Fozzie Bear and his mom and Fozzie is they're They're in the Magic Kingdom and he's trying to make money by doing stand up because they didn't bring <laughs> any money and his mom is hungry. And so it, it, Waldorf and Statler find him. They start heckling him and people passing by. They're not giving him any money. And then Kermit finally catches up to him. He says, oh, Kermit. I'm so desperate. And he's like, Fozzie, you're playing to the wrong crowd. And he walks him over to the country bear jamboree. And there you have all the, <laughs> all the bears and they're yeah. just, they're laughing up and, you know, soon his mother's hat is filled with money and they're off to get their food. But uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting to see the evolution of the Muppets and, and to see how, how they're going to change. I mean, do you think there's hopes for a, another show? I mean, not so much on the Muppets, Muppets Now scale, but like a scripted yeah. show. I, I would like to see another scripted show. I think right now what I would really like is for them to make another movie. I yeah. think it's kind of time. It's been a while since Muppets Most Wanted. And um I don't I don't know if that'll happen. Like I don't know if Disney has the confidence right now, especially after movies have been shut down for so long. But like um maybe maybe we'll get an original movie for Disney Plus. Like I could see that maybe happening. Um but you know, at in that podcast I mentioned earlier, Matt Vogel did tease that they are working on something. Um, he didn't say what specifically, but uh, and and a lot of these projects start development and then kind of fall by the wayside. But uh, yeah, I would love to see either another Muppet series or another Muppet movie. Oh yeah, oh I would, I yeah absolutely. I mean, my Christmas tradition is the the Muppets Christmas Carol. I would I would love to see them. I would love to see them take on some classic roles, but also I, I would love to see just an original, uh, an original work of the Muppets doing something. Um, yeah. I mean, everyone was talking about how in 20, uh, uh, how in this new year, the great Gatsby came into the public domain. And I thought, Oh my goodness, I would love to see a Muppets version of the great Gatsby. Yeah. Uh, but that would be fun. <laughs> it would be funny and it would be hilarious, but an original original piece of work that just is about the Muppets and not them playing, playing the parts of other people. Yeah. That would be my preference. I want to say like, I I would really like to see an original story, but I don't want it to be about them, like saving them up at theater or putting on a show or something, because I feel like that has been done to absolute death. Like this is part of the reason why great, great Muppet caper is one of my favorites. Cause it's just them like going on an adventure, you yeah. know, it doesn't have anything to do with like them being in show business, which I think is or trying you know, to crack into show business or yeah. save their career. Yeah. 
Exactly. Um, which is a big part of Muppet tradition, obviously. But I also really like to see when the Muppets just kind of go off and have a fun adventure, which I, I think would be what I would like to see from a new Muppet movie, should they make one. Oh, yeah. Oh, that would be fantastic. And I, I think you're probably right with the success of Disney Plus and just getting to over 100 million subscribers in 15 months. I mean, there's definitely a demand for, for content. And, and I think if the, Muppets, if the Muppets do have a chance for original stuff, I think it's probably going to come on Disney+. Plus. Um, it's just, I don't think it would be profitable to right now send it. To, well, definitely not right now to send it to the theaters. But in the future, you might reach more audiences by, by putting it just right to the streaming service. Yeah, that's, that's the Muppets. We're all betting heavily on Disney Plus here. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I mean, it's working for for Star Wars. It's working for Marvel. So why not? Uh, why not for the Muppets? I mean, I, I thought the uh, Muppets Now show was decent. Um, obviously, it was meant to be released as a series of shorts, and they kind of cut it together to be this half hour thing. So that kind of felt like a little bit of a Frankenstein show yeah. to me. I would really like to see, you know, if they're going to go a series route. I'd like to see them return to the Muppet show format or Muppets tonight, like they did in the nineties or, or come up with something different. Like they did with the ABC Muppets show that you were talking about as well. I thought that was fun too. So maybe something new, a new idea, but um, yeah, I I would, I would certainly watch it no matter what it was. (laughs) Um, Well, I guess Mike that, you know, transitioning out here to our, our next part here. Uh, the great Muppet caper brings them to London. The Muppets at Walt Disney World takes them down to central Florida. If you, and I'll ask you this question, we'll, we'll post this out on, on Twitter once I get the uh, Twitter account started up for the podcast. If you had to choose a Muppet to go on a trip with, which Muppet would you choose? Well, I will say that my instinct to answer this question is always going to be Gonzo because Gonzo is my favorite Muppet of all of them. Um, And I think he would be the most fun to have on a trip for sure. But I kind of brainstormed this with my wife a little bit before, before we recorded here and she suggested Scooter and uh, thinking about it, I think she's right because Scooter is such a great planner. Um, So we would have like a really good plan. And then we were talking about how, you know, once we got, on this trip scooter would probably be the one who's like trying to keep us on schedule and he might get a little frustrated that everybody's like off doing their own thing and he's trying to keep everyone going where they need to be and that might get a little annoying after a while but (laughs) but i do think it would be worth bringing scooter just for his planning skills um so i'm gonna go with that one scooter for his planning skills all right well that (laughs) that makes that makes an excellent Excellent point. A lot of sense. I mean, you want to have, you want to have somebody who's going to keep you on track so you don't miss out on anything. Uh, for me, I, I debated this. I, I went back to some of my classics and I thought, oh, well, you know, the Muppet movie, Kermit and Fozzie, they're driving. And I decided, no, no, I didn't want that. And my choice as of right now would be Pepe the Prawn. And okay. <laughs> he seems really laid back. He, he doesn't really, in my opinion, at least, he doesn't really exert a lot of, uh, a lot of authority where, no, we have to do it my way. 
he seems like an easygoing person. If I was in a car trip, uh, he'd be pretty light and funny. He would uh-huh. help out. Uh, he wouldn't cause me too much stress. And in fact, he probably uh, would actually make it a lot more fun for me. And I probably wouldn't be as stressed if, if we're trying to get from one place or to the other. And if I were to suggest something, I feel like Pepe would say, yeah, sure. Let's do that. Let's, let's go there. Yeah. You want to do that? Okay. And, you know, I feel like he would be a good traveling companion <laughs> yeah. uh, simply because he seems like a fairly easygoing guy. Yeah, Pepe's kind of the life of the party. So uh, well, <laughs> I can exactly. see that being and a fun trip. Wherever you go, you you bring the life of the party with you. And, yeah. <laughs> and if you're done with that area, you take the life of the party with you uh, when you go. So, yeah. Well, we will post that up and we'll see what see what everyone thinks who will agree. Or perhaps if somebody some people will comment, they'll have a, have a different choice. But uh, is there anything else, Mike, in regards to the Muppets or anything... Anything that you're doing outside, you're the host of Who's the Boss? Uh, your fantastic retrospective right now in your second season for uh, Lucasfilm. Yeah, uh, yeah. I really enjoyed wanna... your, your discussion on Return of the Jedi. Oh, thanks. Uh, it, uh, yeah, and then you were on. We talked about Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, but yeah, if you want to follow over at Who's the Boss pod, uh, it's the Laughing Place Star Wars podcast. Uh, it's a weekly show. And uh, yeah, like you said, we're going through basically every major project that Lucasfilm was involved with or George Lucas uh, was involved with from uh, the founding of the company in 1971, all the way up through the Disney acquisition about a decade ago. So uh, that's this whole year. It's taken up the whole year. So uh, check that out. Wow. A whole year. And and it's the, is it the 40th or the 50th? It's the 50th anniversary. It's the 50th anniversary. Yeah. Wow. It's hard to believe, you know, it's just, it's hard to believe that yet, another creative mind like George Lucas, his, his company has, has existed for 50 years. Star Wars has been around for so long. And, and, you know, it's still relevant today, as you said earlier about, you know, Disney plus has given Star Wars. In fact, I think Disney plus has given Star Wars a whole new, whole new lease on life that has allowed them to expand their storytelling compared to, to what they were able to try and cram in there for uh, the movie releases. But uh, you know, wow, that's, a, that's incredible. Um, yeah, as far as me, uh, I'm just basically uh, covering through the Rick Riordan Presents books at Laughing Place. Uh, there will be a new uh, uh, book being released April 4th called Aru Shah and the City of Gold. It's book four in this series about the reincarnated Pandava brothers, and they happen to be reincarnated into teenage girls in Atlanta, Georgia, and they're trying to save the world from, <laughs> uh, from being conquered by the evil sleeper. And, you know, it's, it's interesting. I've, I followed Rick Riordan and his work, uh, oh, for years in his first book, uh, the lightning thief, which, you know, kind of capped it off. Well, it wasn't his first book, but it was his first uh, middle grade book. It kind of started off this tidal wave of enthusiasm and success as far as his middle grade writing and he's now back in 2018 he founded uh, rick riordan presents an imprint with disney books about trying to amplify uh authors uh, uh authors of diverse voices and trying to get them to tell the stories of their their cultural mythologies and uh roshani Choksi, i hope i've pronounced that right uh she was the first author to put out a book with the imprint uh, Arusha and the end of time. And I've just been kind of following along and it's incredible really 
to to read so many books that are all about world mythologies and you know roughly they have they have a formula to it you know kids in trouble or or a kid needs to do this and they work together but every single book that has come out it just impresses me that the quality of of the story and the quality of the writing and just you know i mean i'm i'm best vastly interested in seeing success for these these characters that the authors have created and at the same point, I think they're some of the best books I've read in, in the last few years. So you can look for my review at laughingplace.com. We'll be out probably around the next week, week and a half. Yeah, I wanted to say that from what I've noticed, your your posts about the Rick Riordan universe have been some of the consistently some of the most popular stuff that Laughing Place has put out recently. So congratulations on that. And then I also noticed that both he and I think it's his wife on Twitter uh, have been pretty consistent about like sharing and retweeting uh, yeah your, your reviews and stuff well it's it's interesting too it's uh you know just kind of seeing seeing what they're doing as far as telling their stories and you know um it, what's what's incredible to me is you know i i read the lightning thief and then the movie that came out from 20th century fox i was so excited to go see that film and i mean i was I was 28 or 29 um, dragged my wife out to us oh we got to go see this movie this is better than harry potter and and going to see that movie i was like oh that, that was not good <laughs> and my wife looked at me and she's like why do we have to see this i'm like no 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 you don't you don't understand it it is better and and uh seeing the 20th century fox deal that had the rights to the books now come back to disney and yeah and seeing how they're working to develop the the best adaptation possible for cool. uh, for the series and put it out on Disney Plus. I'm I'm very excited for it. I uh, I think it's it's good storytelling and you know in my regular job I, I teach elementary school and I tend to see a lot of middle grade books and I tend to know a lot of them and read a lot of them. There there's some that really should not be published and then <laughs> you see the quality that Rick Riordan puts out. And then now the the authors under the Rick Riordan Presents banner just, well, it's, it's superior storytelling. So, yeah, thank you very much. And it uh, it's tons of fun to, to follow along. That's for sure. Cool. Yeah. Anything else, Mike, we should know or? Oh, no, I think um, I'm pretty good. Well, our plan for those of you who will hopefully be listening and enjoying our, our discussion back and forth our plan is to uh, try and put out one podcast per month. Uh, so Mike, as you heard, is very busy. He produces a podcast a week for Who's the Bosk. Um, but hopefully by the end of April, uh, this podcast, which we're, we are recording on March 28th, will be released probably within the next week or so. And hopefully by the end of April, we'll be recording again and talking about our next topic and i think we're going to be looking at the the muppet show that's currently on disney plus is that what our our plan was that's what it says on my uh on my outline yeah right on all right well thanks very much for coming along mike and appreciate you for basically supporting me up here and helping me out and thanks for the conversation too no problem yeah i always uh enjoy talking about the muppets for sure absolutely all right everybody thank you very much for joining us and we will see you again real soon. That was a great number. I don't care what you say. I thought it was dumb. Maybe you're right. <laughs>